uh, I would encourage you to just open up your heart in faith, believing that the Holy Spirit has something to say to you this morning. Mm-hmm. You're not here by accident. You could have done something else. You could have stayed home and done any number of things besides for coming to church. So you're here. You're in the presence of God. Scripture yes. says we're two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. So the Holy Spirit is here, and the Holy Spirit responds to faith. And so I would just encourage you to open up your heart in faith and believe that you're going to hear something from the Holy Spirit today, something good, something to help you to grow and to know him better. And so um, I'm going to say the Bible confession before we begin. You know, we're talking about reading the Word of God. Again, if there's any habit... I would encourage you to develop in your life would be to read the Word of God and not just read it haphazardly, read it daily like it's your daily food, just like you wouldn't get up in the morning and think, I'm just not going to eat today. No, I think the first thing we're thinking about is usually some food, something by the time lunchtime comes. We want some food. Well, the Bible describes the Word of God as spiritual food. It's like bread for us. And so to partake of the, the living word of God daily is, should just be a normal sustaining thing for us. And so we like to, we've said this Bible confession before. If you have a Bible, if you have an electronic device, you want to say this with me and say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess that my mind is alert and my heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible seed of the ever-living Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And again, we have to remember to make confessions of our faith is, just, is one way that we express and establish our faith. And so, okay, so open your Bible and if, with me this morning, your electronic device. If you don't have a Bible, we have some sitting back there that you can grab that have tabs in them uh, to two places this morning. And so you need a couple fingers. <laughs> New Testament and Old Testament and to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and John chapter 4. We do have John chapter 4 up on the PowerPoint, but that's going to be the only scripture that we have up on PowerPoint uh, because we do want you to learn to look inside of your own Bible. Again, uh, the church of God, the people of God should be most familiar with God and his word and who he is. And so we need to just get comfortable with moving around in the Bible and honor it as the living word of God. So in Exodus 20 and John 4, we're gonna, I'm going to read uh, to you from John 4. It should come up on PowerPoint. It says this, John 4, 23, Yet the hour is coming, and this is Jesus speaking, and now is here. So, the, so this is relevant to us now. The hour is coming, and now it's here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him, how? 
in spirit, in spirit and, truth. and in truth. And so let's just pray before we begin. Father God, you know, your word tells us right here that we are living in a time now where you are seeking true worshipers. And so here we are. We open up our heart to gain understanding to know you this morning. We want to hear your voice. We're not here for any other reason but to gain understanding of who you are. Yes. Our desire is to just not only to know you, Lord, but to obey you, mm -hmm. to be those who are pleasing to you, who worship you in spirit and truth. So help us understand that meaning, Holy Spirit, this morning. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our teacher here and our guide this morning, opening up and unveiling the truth of God's word to us. Our desire is, Lord, that we would experience the joy of our salvation yes. in knowing you. And so we just, uh, we tell you we love you and we, we open up your word and our ears of our heart with expectation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. So we, we've been in a series about worship and we've covered a few things. We're not going to really review much of that. If you've missed it, we do have a podcast. We've got, uh, you can go on the website um, if you want to listen for free anytime, download, download those. But, you know, one, one thing we mentioned, I, I think that just goes without saying, is that worship is not what we, only what we just did. Three songs, singing right. to God. Oftentimes, we just equate the word worship. We think, when I'm worshiping God, that means I'm singing to God. And that is certainly a kind of worship that we do. But, but worship of God, according to Scripture, is much, much, much deeper. It includes much, much more than that. It really includes the entirety of our whole life. Amen. How we live our whole life before yes. God becomes a worship to Him, an acknowledgement that our life is from Him and from Him and to Him and through Him are all things. And so we live our life in a way that our thoughts, our speech, our manner, <clears throat> our actions are all an indication of our worship, of who we worship, who we bow down to. And so it, it, it is lived as a life, of course, of faith and submission, we say, and obedience to God's Word. That really is in some way tries to encompass the meaning of the word living a life of worship. It's really walking out the first commandment. Yes. And what is the first commandment? Don't all say it at once. <laughs> I am the Lord your God, yeah. Yes. I mean, there's, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. The first and greatest commandment. That's Exodus 20. Did you have your finger there on Exodus 20? Mm -hmm. Take a look at that. Exodus 20 in your Bible. And it may read differently. There are various translations, of course, of the Bible. Um, Exodus 20, verse 2. These are the commandments that God gave Moses, written in stone, the beginning of the law, that the people of God would be asked to follow in order for their lives to be blessed and to know God and have, a, have the right relationship with him. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That's verse 3. So that, the first commandment makes it clear <laughs> that God's the one true God and he's the one to be worshipped. Amen. There are, we should have no other gods, little g, before him. And God spoke the Ten Commandments 
to Moses in the wilderness, okay, after, after leading the people out of Egyptian bondage. They were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And they had been surrounded by pagan religion, the pagan religions of the Egyptians, occult practices, and God wanted his chosen people, you know, to keep their heart devoted to him. So he was going to give them commands. He's going to tell them, here's how you will establish a right relationship with me, and with me, and because the others, the first four commandments are about relationship with God, mm-hmm. and the others, the six are about relationships, how we should treat one another and people. But the commandments, think about the word commandment. They were not suggestions, not the ten suggestions of God. (laughs) Here's some things I just offer you for your opinion to think about, maybe to have a better life and get along with people. No, they were not. A commandment is not a suggestion. It's not even a kind of instruction. Because sometimes we think, well, here's instruction, and people take it or leave it. A commandment is a degree. He decreed it. This is what you must do, mm-hmm. okay, in order to understand how to have a relationship with me and how to have and walk in the boundaries of my righteousness. And, and because the, in the mind of God, the, the commandments of God, and especially the first commandment, to love him and have no other gods before him, were holy and righteous Amen. and good. And they were eternal, He didn't speak this and say, I'm saying this for now, but I'm going to... The Ten Commandments, contrary to popular opinion, are still upheld in heaven today. That's right. As the highest law, we are still to keep. Jesus said he didn't come to do away with the law and the prophets. He said, I came to fulfill it. And everything, until heaven and earth passes away, not anything is going to be not fulfilled under that law. Come on. Okay. So he, so he referred to the first commandment in the, te- in the Old Testament, because sometimes people think that was the Old Testament. This is the new. Well, Jesus testified That's to the right. veracity of that first commandment when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then the second, if you're, you're still there in Exodus 20, if you look at verse 4 and 5, the second commandment, he is, goes, dovetails right into the, understanding of the first commandment because he says you shall not make for yourself an idol don't make a graven image and bow down to it or serve it and I see because he knew that in the Egyptian culture there were a lot of idols that they worshiped and they made images of nature a lot of things in nature that they worshiped the sun god and they you know they they worshiped a lot of things in in nature but he tells us he tells us in the second commandment, don't make an idol and don't bow yourself down to it. Now, you know, we don't see too many people making gold statues and putting things like we, what we would call an idol, a pagan, mm. uh, you know, statue in their yard. But you don't have to go to no, you don't Thailand have to. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> Hindu-dominated nations where that's, they have thousands of gods well, here to find worship of other gods because there's a parallel. In the Old Testament, we see the physical side of what God is teaching. In the New Testament, we bring that over into the spirit. So we don't, we're not necessarily seeing physical statues of idols 
But do we have idols that people worship in America today? Oh, my gosh. Such as. <laughs> There's a TV show called American Idol. Well, here we go, right? Look at me, look at me, right? It's the, the selfie has become Yeah, in, in 2015, uh, projected on the Empire State Building was a, he, a Hindu goddess, Kali, and that was projected on the Empire State Building. Yeah, what was that in honor of? Something I can't remember. Well, but it's, it's, it's actually brought destruction because that... That goddess Dali, or Kali is a, a goddess of destruction, a goddess of war. What's happening in New York City? Yeah. You open the door for things like that, and it, it's going to come in. That's for sure. You know, people have their career as an idol. They have money as an idol. They have all sorts of things. They have their pets as an idol. Yeah. Come on now. You know, go to, used to, I don't know, I haven't been to Walmart for a long time, but they used to have a whole section with dog clothes, oh, yeah. cat clothes. I don't know if they still have oh, it, but yeah, you can get cat expanding. jewelry. <laughs> Maybe that's what you should make, cat jewelry. <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Piercing ears and dangling. <laughs> You know, people the have their career, medical. like I say, drugs, alcohol. There's, you know, just because somebody doesn't actually have a, an idol in their house doesn't mean that they don't bow down and worship it. Think about it. Yeah, Hollywood's good at trying to make an idol or a god. Isn't that true? How about the rock stars? You know, you, you go to a concert, you know, everybody's lifting their hands. Everybody's giving a shout out. People are spending thousands of dollars to get there. You, people are, oh, I'm, well, it's like when I was growing up, the Beatles, remember them? <laughs> they would show people on Ed Sullivan's show that they would fall out. Oh, it's the Beatles, and they'd fall out. It's like, oh, my gosh, come on now. <laughs> well, we'll look about sports. I mean, well, sports, too. Yeah. People are... It's amazing. I don't want you to know more about your sports team than you do the Bible. I mean, seriously, let's don't, let's don't be those people. Oh, you can root for your team and all, but let's, let's put the first and greatest commandment first. Amen? You know, you can't, people put all their, their effort in these things. And it's, Joyce Meyer said this one time, they climb the ladder of success, and then finally when they get to the very top of the ladder, they find it's on the wrong building. Spend all their time climbing the ladder, trying to be successful in things that are going to be burned up. What we need to do is put things in eternal perspective and start to put our effort and our time there. You and I were created with an innate desire to worship, to worship. And God put that there. And God put it there so that we would return it to Him. But the problem is, so many people, they, we start to get distracted. Our desires get turned here. Culture is bombarding us with distractions. This is why Jesus said it's a narrow path the way we're going. 
And it's true, once we make decisions and we're walking in that narrow path, what's going to happen is it becomes brighter and brighter. See, we're going to give God glory all our lives because he's the one who created us. He's the one who puts breath in your lungs right now. He's the one who's making your heart beat. You don't have to consciously say, work, work, work. No, it's happening just because of his love toward you. He is your heavenly father. We want to give him that love back. We want to give him that worship back. He is our heavenly father. He is our master. He is the one who gave us this life. And Pastor Mamie said it, you know, it is for him to him and through him are all things. Everything was created by him and for him. He deserves all of our worship, all of it. Yeah. And he's coming back again to this earth. And everybody is going to bow their knee to him and give him glory and honor. Yeah. The best thing to do is do it before that moment because that moment will make it too late. Remember when Jesus was coming in Jerusalem? The kids were saying, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the glory of God. And the Pharisee says, hey, keep them quiet. And what did Jesus say? He says, if these kids aren't going to be worshiping me, the rocks will cry out and worship me. You read the book of Psalms and it says, the trees will clap their hands for him. The animal kingdom, the plant kingdom... All are going to be worshiping him. Mm -hmm. All of it. This is where we can <laughs> not let the rocks cry out in our place. Yeah. We have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for. And this is a time when you renew your mind to the word of God. It's going to be easy for us to bow our knee. It's going to be easy for us to confess that he is your personal Lord. He is your personal Savior. He is the one who has created your life. We're wired to worship. And if you're not going to worship God, you're worshiping something. Yeah. You're giving your adoration towards something. Yeah. You should check ourselves. We really do. This is one of the things that we have to understand that there are moments in our lives where we yield over and unknowingly we are worshiping something other than God. Yeah. Whether it's fear, an individual, we fear that individual, you, you have to be conscious of that God himself is with you. Our God created everything there is. And you are in the palm of his hand. And our trust toward him must be expressed. And our confidence in him has to be worked out in our lives. But we have to become aware of when our affection is going somewhere else other than God. And in a sense, when it's doing that, we are, see, this has to do with worship. We're bowing down to it. We're giving it our attention. And even if it's in fear, we bow down because there's a lot of things that, that happen in our lives that create fear and they're on our mind and they become this big 
giant, if you will, in front of us. This is what we titled the message today, Worship God, Not the Giant. Amen. Because often very, uh, you know, often there are times in our life whenever we face big things and we allow that to the giant to become bigger than our God. Yep. And in that sense, we are worshiping the wrong thing. And of course, you think, well, where's there a story about this in the Bible? Well, a classic story in the Bible about a giant has to do with David and Goliath. Most of you have heard the story of David and Goliath if you've been in church for any length of time. It's from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's turn there. I'm not going to read. Well, you may be reading a portion of it, but I'm not going to read it. Read it, just just give you a little capsulation of the story there. The Goliath was this, they think, at least nine and a half foot tall giant of a man. And he was he was the, the Philistine leader. Mm-hmm. You can imagine. They put him out in front and it made everybody in the other armies shake and and quiver because there was this standoff between Goliath and the armies of Israel, all right? And so the armies of Israel were shaking in front of this dude because, you know, <laughs> he, dude. He, I mean, he would come out and he would say, you know, come out, somebody and fight me and see if you can win me, see if you can slay me. And the, the whole wager was whoever won the battle, so the losing army would then become the slave to the winner. Right. Okay, so this went on for 40 days. Every day he'd come out and taunt and bully and make fun of the Israelites. Like, no, but so nobody's going to come out and take me down? Mm-hmm. Because they were terrified of him. And truly, in the physical stature, I think a nine and a half feet tall. That's a, I don't know how tall the, the, that would be over there. but Well, if you come to our house, our ceilings are nine well, and a half feet. So here comes David, teenage David. He wasn't out there with the army of Israel. He's sent by his father yeah. to go check on his Tell, Come back and tell me how the battle is going. And David hears and sees what's going on. He he's watches this. He watches Goliath go out there and laugh and taunt and bully and make fun of his brothers and all the rest of the, the army of Israel. And David, this makes him mad. Mm-hmm. He gets angry about it. He's like, I'm going to go out. I will go out and fight him if none, nobody else here is going to go out and fight him. And at first they think, David, like, you're crazy. Like, who are you? Like, you're just a little shepherd boy. And it makes his brothers angry because it's kind of humiliating them. Like, here's this little shepherd boy, younger brother coming out, acting more confident like, I could take down this giant. Right. And Saul, who's the king at the time, a big man, he's like, well, you're not going to go out there and fight Goliath without my armor. Take, put on at least my armor. And so David tries to put on his armor, and it didn't fit him. He wasn't used to wearing armor. You know, he's a shepherd boy. And so David takes his slingshot. I think we're probably all familiar with this story. He takes a slingshot, and he gathers up five smooth stones, it says. And he goes out to fight Goliath. Now you can imagine what Goliath is doing as he's watching. (laughs) He's like, wait, are you the one coming to fight me? He laughs at him. He's like, am I a dog that you're going to come at me like with a stick? You know, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. 
when I get through with you, is basically what he says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And th- but look, we're talking about who you're going to worship, God or, a, or, the, or the giant. And or so, the giant. There's one, so thing David that, makes his... one thing that David actually knows, and he calls out this Philistine. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, do we remember what circumcision was? It was a mark of a covenant with God Almighty. When he declared, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, means you don't have a covenant with God like we do. That's a major point that we've got to hang on to. First of all, David's not looking at the size of this man. He's saying... This guy is taunting and he is making fun of God Almighty. And that raises the spirit within David to a place where, oh man, you're not getting away with this. And look at verse 17 or 45 here. 1 Samuel, verse 45. And we're going to see right here, this is a bold confession by David, but it's also truly a bold confession. It's a bold statement of worship. And this is what we want to let you see today, is that we want to worship God, not the giant. And just because this statement, David's not singing this, and there's no harps playing... We've got to understand what true worship is. We worship him in spirit and in truth. And just because we sang three songs, that doesn't mean, well, that was worship today. No, your entire life, like Pastor Mamie is saying, is worship. Every thought you're taking and you're remunerating in your mind, listen, that can be worship or it could be bowing down to your giant. And it's up to you and it's up to me. Verse 45, David said to this Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Yeah. He's not just saying, I'm really trusting my slingshot. Yeah. That's not where he's at. David could have gone without a slingshot. Because he has his faith in God. And do you see the statement that he's making? He's worshiping God. He's putting God in his proper place. This giant is nothing compared to God. And this is where you have to bring that boldness in your own heart. To a place where you can look at any situation that you're in. And you can declare the same thing. Who are you to stand in my way? God Almighty himself will see that I get through you, around you, over the top of you. This is where we have to have that, 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 like David did. It was a true relationship that he had with God, knowing God, knowing who God is. That's what brought him this confidence. That's what brought him this, this yeah. ability to, you have defied the God of Israel. It was, whose, whose fight was it? Was it David's fight? It was God's fight. Yeah. It was God's fight. And the key is that he's, he's going in his own mind, you might be a big guy, but you're nothing compared to God. You're nothing compared to God. If you happen to know anything about the 
Revelation, the book of Revelation, there's going to be armies surrounding the new Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, God's going to withdraw his breath from them. They're all going to fall dead. He's not going to do anything but that. See, this is important to understand. Worship isn't just three songs on Sunday morning. It is your entire life. And worship could be every thought that you take. Or it could be bowing down to the giant. Because worship is to bow down in a heart that is giving great honor and respect. Do you see what David did right here? Great honor and respect he gave to God himself. Right in the face of his trouble. Right in the face of what looks like the odds are completely against me. They said that the begin of his spear, the head of his spear was 20 pounds. He wore armor that was 150 pounds. But yet David has just a slingshot and stones. And one stone did it. And one stone. <laughs> There's a whole reason that he yeah. took five yeah. stones, but we'll get to that some yeah. other time. <laughs> David is saying there's nobody greater than God. Yeah. There's nobody greater than God. Just by doing that, he, David is worshiping the Father. Right. He's exalting God above his problems. He's exalting God above this nine and a half foot giant. Yeah. We need to understand that we have to keep, take every thought captive. What was that thought do? Did I just bow down to the enemy or did I exalt God in this trial that I'm going through? Yeah. And sometimes you have to, I find myself doing this, sometimes you have to literally um, do something in the natural in order to let God, let your own mind know. Because our mind, you know, so often when we face big things in our lives, like we just let it captivate our thoughts, oh. don't we? I mean, we could go all day long running through the same scenario, the same scenario. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have found what's helpful for me sometimes just stop. And literally, like, I'll just kneel down and say, yep. God, you know, I hate these thoughts. I hate, the, I hate these thoughts. These are not my thoughts. Right. They dishonor you. They're doubting thoughts. I give them to you, Lord. Yeah. You know, I know I let you fight my battle for me. I worship you. I'm, not, I'm worshiping you and not this thing that wants to make itself bigger than you. You know, I hate it. You're Lord of my life. Hey, that's it go on and go back to whatever I'm doing. It sort of establishes something in your own soul. Come like on. Because sometimes it feels like if you just let this thing run and run and run and run in your mind, you're thinking about it, you're thinking you're doing something about it, but you're really not. Unless you actually stop and sit, and do, you may not kneel, but you may stop and say, here's what I believe. Yes. Here's, what's, who, here's who's Lord over my life. Because so often when we face big things in our life, and we all face them, illnesses, you know, um, health problems, it could be money problems, it could be relational problems, job problems, addictions, things that, you know, we face legal problems, emotional stuff then dogs us. You wake up in the morning, you know, you're still running through your mind, Something somebody said to you, how you feel rejected, then you're angry, and then, you know, like, why'd they say that? And I should have said this, and 
these things can, we camp out in our mind. They captivate our thoughts. That's a good point. And it's all we want to think about. And very often when we open up our mouth, the other people pretty much around us know what we're thinking about because we want to talk about it, rehearse it, go over it. And, it, you know, it, we may tell our, or it may be a silent mental battle. Oh, which is I, I've been kind of good yep. at that. It's like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to act like everything's cool. But if somebody could just read my mind, <laughs> it's like, man, you are full of fear. You're full of what ifs. You're full of, you know, like, I'm afraid. And what if this happens? And I can't believe it. And oh, wow. And <laughs> this thing's too big for me. And. Is, it, is, and, it, is she taking, talking to the right people here or what? <laughs> and really, what are you doing when you're doing that? What we're talking about is like I'm slowly bowing yep. down to how big this problem is and I cannot deal with it. Yep. I'm like, I'm bowing down. It's like the giant's foot is on my neck and it's like going, yeah, keep thinking it. Mm -hmm. Keep saying it. Keep talking about it. And in some weird paradoxical way, we're giving worship to yes. it. That's, I think that's, to me, what's most disgusting about it. Whenever I see that in myself, I just think, how dishonoring to you. That's what makes me stop and do like some of what I, I just showed you. It's like, I hate this thought mm -hmm. because it dishonors you. And I'm a child of God. And you are my king. And see, we, this is why it's important that we know yeah. who we are in Christ. Because without that, we don't know what to even say. We just rehearse what the devil and the giant is saying. And so we tend, this, we put this on PowerPoint, like we tend to worship instead, our giants instead of God when we get into these places in our lives. And we could come to church and sing mm -hmm. yep. a lot of good songs. God, you are greater. God, you are stronger. You know, you're higher than any other. Or, and yet, <laughs> and maybe feel some of that at the moment. But when we get home, come on. I mean, it doesn't often take long. You can open up the car door and you're already dealing with. <laughs> do you believe that? Do you? I mean, the devil is like, right? Do you really yeah. believe that? You do what and, Pastor Mamie did by kneeling down. Do you think that that doesn't put ripple effects into the spirit realm? It does. And it actually, it, it's renewing your own mind over and over again to who you are. It's like, I've got to put action to this yeah, come thing. On now. If I'm going to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, like my strength comes from my physical body. So it's like, what are you doing with your physical body to show your love and worship? So that's part of like just kneeling down. And it's like, I, I've done this before too, put a timer on my phone three times a day, like, remember go give God worship it's like yes I mean you think about the Muslims who how many times do they turn and right and I think I need to do this I need to be, to be better at it than them they'll kneel down on a mat and worship their false God Allah and That's so I right. think what do I what am I doing and so and really when it the thing that made me hate I say I called it Hate is because I recognize God began to show me it's a sin what you're doing. You're breaking the first and second commandment. That's correct. You're, you know, you're putting another God before me and you're making it an idol and do not, as I said, don't bow down before. And it's like you're bowing down before it. You're breaking the second commandment even, which made me go, oh, it, it's, this is a sin. 
This is not just, I'm having trouble with these thoughts. And when I recognized it as a sin problem, that kind of changed the battlefield (laughs) because I thought, well, wait a minute. Jesus says there's grace. You know, there's mercy, of course, for sin. That was part of it, repenting. It was like, I hate this sin because this is where you get power over sin. You have to repent of it. But if we don't call this kind of thinking sinful, then what? what it, we get no help. We're just trying to figure it out, stop doing it. Uh, I don't know, talk about it, get yeah. counsel for it. And it's like, if I would see it as sin, then I can know that God would say, I can forgive you for that if you will repent and confess it to me. And then there's grace to change because that's what the Bible said we're where sin increased and abounded, grace did much more Hallelujah. abound towards us. And grace is God's favor, and grace is God's power to do in and through me what I can't do myself. So see, grace comes then to help change my perspective and strengthen me in my spirit. But it all kind of boiled back down to calling it sin. That's right. When I began to see that my mindset could be, and we're going to show you this by example in Scripture in the Old right. Testament, God called their mindset an evil mindset because they doubted him. Well, what would you call evil sin? <laughs> Sinful? And so we can just go on with his story then because uh, there's an example among the children of Israel right. you know, it, of what not to do when they, you face a giant in your life. And see, this is really important for us to even recognize. The devil is what? He is a deceiver. So if he can get you to think oh, this is just normal, you better, re- you better think about this, you better think about this. You know, I grew up in a home that if you didn't worry about something, that means that you didn't love them. See, that's crazy stuff. But yet, what not to do is what the children of Israel did. The Bible declares in the New Testament that they are our example of what not to follow. And it's in Numbers 13. This is when... They just came out, they're standing at the edge of the promised land, and Moses says, send some spies into the land, go take a look at it, It, you know, so that we know how to come about it and attack it. So this is the promised land that God over and over and over and over told them, I'm going to give you this land. He also told them, well, there's other people in this land, and he says, go and possess the land. That means dispossess who's there. So he's, it's not like you're going to walk in and then everybody's going to run away. You have to fight these fights. And that's what the spiritual warfare that Pastor Mamie just described. I'm bowing down. I'm kneeling down. I'm focusing on God. He is greater than my problems. But this is what they did. Numbers 13, 27 through 33. This is when the 12 spies came back. Does anybody remember the story? Ten spies gave them a bad report. Two, Joshua and Caleb said, we're well able. It says, they came back and gave an account to Moses. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. See, this is how unbelief starts. Yeah, God said that's right. God, God, God. 
But. but. <laughs> I heard this one sermon one time. Get rid of the buts. Yeah, right. <laughs> Get rid of the buts. And that will help us. So these people are coming back with a report that, yes, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a desirable land. But then he goes on and he says, but we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites, they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And the mosquito bites are really big. <laughs> <laughs> the mosquito bites live yeah. there. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's go on. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said, We should go up at once and take possession of the land, for we can surely do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. So they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land which they had scouted out, saying the land, though, which we went to spy out, it devours the inhabitants. Yeah. And all the people we saw there were of great stature. We saw the Nephilim there, the giants there, the sons of Anak, who came from the giants, and we were in our own sight grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight, too. All along, God has told them, I'm giving you the land. I'm going to be with you. Go in. Go in and take the property. Take the land. They, two people, Joshua and Caleb, actually spent time knowing who God was. Their faith, their worship right there was, we're well able to do it. Yeah. That's worship. That's worship. And what did God call the report that the other ten gave? Verse 32. Yeah. He called it their doubts. They called their doubts. Now listen, we all have to fight doubts. But when you do what Pastor Mammy says, you, well. you label it sin. When you label it sin, you're going to turn from it quicker than just like, well, you know, everybody has their... You know, you just are petting that dragon. Don't do that. He called it a negative and an evil report. Yeah. Why? Because they glorified their circumstances above God. They were worshiping... They, they broke the two commandments. First one, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. If God says, go do this, then Jesus himself says, if you love me, you'll obey me. That's the love of the Father, obeying what God says. And then what did they do? They made an idol out of the people there. They're bigger than we are. We can't do it. And in the end, they never did enter the promised land. When you go back and read that story, Joshua and Caleb were the only two. That's right. It's, kind of, it's pretty shocking, really. They never the only two that maintained the right uh, perspective, God said they had a different spirit in them. Out of the whole generation. The whole generation, yeah, died off into the wilderness. So that evil report affected the whole congregation. Yes. It's amazing how a spirit of negativity cool. Come on. can infect the atmosphere. It'll infect your home. <laughs> It'll infect the workplace. It'll infect the church. 
I mean, the, the attitude that we all come in with affects the atmosphere in here. And that evil report, you know, in the minds of the people, uh, God actually, and if you go back and now and you read Hebrews chapter 3, we're warned about it. Yes. Don't harden your heart, God says, like they did in the wilderness through unbelief and through doubt. Because that's what's happening. We harden our heart. We harden our heart against trusting the Lord. And which so, is worship. Which is worship. And so we have to judge ourselves on these things. Do I, am I a person who brings a negative report in the midst of trouble in my family, in my workplace? Am I the one opening my mouth to bring more negativity? Am I going to spread the, make the atmosphere filled with more doubt and fear? Or am I going to open my mouth and say, do you know what? There's a God. Amen. Who I know. Who I serve. He's the God of the impossible. He can take a bad situation and turn it around for good. And, and God, we have to remember, inhabits, Scripture says, the, the praises yeah. of his people. He does not inhabit the complaining of his people, <laughs> the negativity of his people. He's not in it. And so the more we do it, the more like we want answers. God's like just waiting here. It's like, well, would you just include me? And when we include the Lord, we're going to include hope. Amen. We're going to include the God who makes all things possible, he says, to the one who believes. And so they forgot and they spoke negative. God called it an evil report. And there was an, there was an effect. There was a punishment. There, there was, was a wage, if you will, that it paid. They did not see the promised land of God. And Gosh. so what can we learn from this? You know, we... we it's 11.38. Should we quickly take communion? Yes, we, we, we wanted to take communion, and I think we should um, as we finish out this message because it's a good reminder for us to judge ourselves on these things. You know, am I, am I worshiping God in the midst of my trouble? And there's not a person sitting in here that would go, I don't have any trouble, this doesn't apply to me. <laughs> Or am I giving worship to a giant, a false god, an idol? Am I bowing down? And when we take communion, it's going to help us remember to judge ourselves, who we are in Christ, what Jesus has done for us. Mm -hmm. And am I living like you said? David stepped out there. If we can get these elements ready. Uh, he stepped out there, not speaking in his own confidence. He, he stepped out there speaking on the confidence of the covenant that he had with the living God. Thank you. And we have a, a covenant based on the blood of Jesus, which is actually based on better promises. It's really important for us to be aware of the way we're thinking. It's really important because we've all fallen into a pattern haven't we? It's so easy to complain. It's so easy to murmur. It's so easy to make our circumstances look worse than they really are. And that just helps your flesh. But the truth of the thing is, that's worship. And we're bowing our knee and we're worshiping the enemy.
It might not be specifically the devil, but in a roundabout way, he takes that to himself. And so when we take the wafer, this wafer, well, first of all, communion is meant for people believers born believers again. born again believers so if you're not sure that you've given your life to Christ I mean we could change that could be changed now if your desire is to give your life to Christ it's simple salvation is simply a gift but it involves repentance of your sin it involves looking at yourself your sin and recognizing that if I died today in my sin like for instance breaking the commandments, the commandments of God. Have I broken any of the commandments of God? I mean, break, having one sin is enough to say that the wages of sin is death. And so this is why Jesus came. He came so that our sin could be washed away, so that we could stand before God cleansed from our sin by the blood of Jesus. And so if let's just maybe make that yes opportunity available before we take communion but if you've never given your life to Christ do not take this but you know that if you would stand before a holy and perfect God today are you sinned are you without sin there's not one of us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God but there is a way out. There is a freedom. This is yes. the beauty and the good news of the gospel. That Jesus came, shed his blood for us. For the payment and penalty of your sin. But there's an admission to that. And so let's just, we can pray a prayer. If there's anyone in here today who wants to give their life to Christ. The prayer would go something like this. But this isn't something you just parrot. This is something you say to, to the Lord from your heart. And you would say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I recognize that I have sinned against you in my thoughts and my words and my deeds. And I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me. And I turn away from it. I hate those sins. I thank you that you've made a way for me to be saved. You've made a way for me to avoid eternal death and the punishment of hell for my sin. And I accept you, Jesus, into my heart. Help me to live for you from this day forward. Yes. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, we welcome you to take communion with us. Yes. And so this communion wafer represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. Jesus said, you know, on the night that he was betrayed, he said to take, he told his disciples, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, of what I've done for you on the cross. And so his body was broken, the penalty for our sin was being paid for. So when we take this, we say, thank you, Jesus, for paying the penalty for my sin. Thank you for the healing of my body, my soul, my mind. Thank you for making me one with you. On that same night, he took the cup. And this, what you have in your hand, represents the blood of Christ. 
It's the power of the blood that forgives sins. It's the power of his blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Go ahead and partake.